Yes. Oh fuck. <laughs> oh, Someone's man. a sleepy boy. Yes, I I, a I tested wolf among us. Guys, I tested <laughs> positive. Uh, <laughs> I tested positive for being all tuckered out. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I still don't understand that. Say, hey, what does being tuckered out mean? I mean, I understand. I That's I the first know. time I'm I'm hearing that, and I consider myself really? a connoisseur of of such sayings. So thank you, Hakim. <laughs> Turns out yeah. you're not as old as you might be thinking. Let's look it up. Let me, let me look up the origin. <laughs> uh, I'm sure everybody can hear our lovely JT's uh, sweet, uh, stuffy voice. He's a little bit sick. I'm dying. Um, he's a cozy boy. Uh, <laughs> exactly right. He's there with a cute little button red. Uh, his cute button nose is uh, is all red uh, and scratched up, and he's all cozy in an oversized woolen. Uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, sweater. I can imagine yeah. it's orange and goes past your past your uh, wrists. Um, That's me <laughs> with a hot chocolate in hand. Um, I imagine you in a cabin as well. Sorry, speak. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just, I, I found the, I dug up the origin of all tuckered out. It goes back mm. to the 1830s when oh, wow. New Englanders had begun comparing the wrinkled and drawn appearance of overworked and undernourished horses oh. and dogs oh, to the appearance God. of oh, tucked God. cloth. Oh, Jesus Christ. I was like, this is going to be some racist yeah, This is going to be super racist. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, the, 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 how nonchalant JT is reading this. I'm about like, to I, drop a hard I R, from, yeah. <laughs> I know you're from Texas, but please. <laughs> I, I knew the saying oh was God. like from three centuries ago because Hakeem yeah. doesn't use anything that's from at least the last two decades. But. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Aside from these nuts, this is something yeah, I fucking yeah. obsessed with. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're Guys, very obsessed guys. with these nuts. Oh my yes, that I am. Oh my god, I love nothing but to to to, to suckle and uh, and juggle. Uh, but what was I gonna say? Um, I was with a much younger relative recently over the uh-huh. the holiday season, and uh, I, I, like kids, man, they absorb weird the weirdest shit from the internet. And uh, he, we were talking about something completely unrelated and then he looks at his dad and all of a sudden he describes his dad as sus <laughs> yes. and i'm like i'm like where did i'm speaking with the kid i'm like where did you learn this and the dad's always like yeah obviously like yeah it's from the internet blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, and he was like what what does it mean i explained it to him i told him it's from a game called among us the second i say among us the kid starts going oh, <laughs> oh my god it was the funniest uh, shit the new generations will be all right i swear to god yeah, yeah, yeah. fucking <laughs> fantastic bro i fucking love it Oh, JT, your kid is gonna be such a vibe. I swear. Oh my god, I'm, I'm getting her started early with all the terrible dad jokes. Yeah, <laughs> good, great. good, good. Oh my god, you better. Yours are very uh, good. Speaking of uh, new yeah. generations, how did you spend your uh, New Year's Eves? I went to bed oh. at ten thirty. Jesus oh, Christ, but, uh, just mood vibes, honestly. <laughs> Oh my god. Do you know what I fucking did? I had to go be packed in a fucking room the size of a shoe closet with 40 fucking people. Uh, we had some amazing food. Amazingly good, catered food. But it was... A, 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 this, and yeah, you know, fucking Arabs and Kurds. And, yeah, my, my family is, is very, what's it called, uh, multi-ethnic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll, I'll put it... I'll, that's one uh, way of saying it, at least. Um, so you just hear, like... Everybody speaking, screaming four languages over each other. And I'm just sitting there like, shut the fuck up. Fucking diversity. This should all be only one people, only one language. All be cleansed. Why? Even I I am so principled when it comes to the cleansing, I would even cleanse my own family. Hakim in an alternate universe Uh, being a Nazi. Oh, my my God. I I turned into into Dennis Prager, penis Prager for a second. But yeah, no, do you know what? It's because it it got so bad and there were kids and there were screaming and crying uh-huh. i was like fuck this 
Uh, I went and for like an hour, I went into like another shoe closet sized area. I sat there and I closed the door and I just sat on the floor in the fucking dark. <laughs> I'm like, oh I just needed a moment. But that moment became like 40 minutes. Yeah. And I remember because everybody's a fucking chain smoker. People yeah. uh, left their clothes, which had their smoking packets in this room. So people kept opening the door and be like, what are you doing here? <laughs> After a while, people start, start ignoring me because they just came to pick up the smoke. <laughs> their fucking smokes. Oh, it was ridiculous. Uh, um, why don't you just go to the I toilet? I always escape to the toilet and just sit on my phone for like 30 yeah, minutes. Uh, but I have 40, 40 fucking people. Everybody's banging uh, on yeah, kids, yeah, stupid yeah. kids. Yeah. Yeah, fuck that. Um, I want as much privacy as would allow in uh, in a Iraqi gathering. Yeah, and you're used <laughs> to being in the closet, so it's fine. Exactly wow. right. Uh, unless I'm around you guys, in which I am out and proud. <laughs> that's good. As, as, a, as a Marxist, that's what Absolutely we're talking about. Here. Anyways, go on. <laughs> how about you, uh, you got, I, how I was like years? it was very uh, surreal because it was uh, an old like uh, Soviet era school that was then privatized Ooh. into a hotel mm. next to a lake mm. and turned to and then uh, when the lake dried out because the new capitalists didn't see any financial purpose in keeping it uh, alive uh, the hotel was sold for very cheap to the, the family of these friends I have and they refurbished it into like just a great hangout place in the middle of nature nice. so we went oh, nice. and we had a proper uh, rednecky fucking experience driving buggies <laughs> through the fucking forest oh, uh, uh, improvised airsoft or and just fucking drinking eating making barbecue etc etc it was pretty interesting mm. some of the people wow. were not my vibe some were but it was cool. It was cool. The nature, especially. They were like dogs. You're driving through the fucking forest. The dogs oh. are running next to you. You're exploring. We got lost at one point. I realized just <laughs> mu- how much of a fucking like urban guy I am because it took us like two hours <laughs> to find our way back in this not even large forest. And yes, we used GPS to get back in the forest. It's fucking pathetic. <laughs> a forest that they had basically like drawn out roads because of how many times people drove <laughs> the fucking ATV there. Uh, but uh, I heard a very funny story that's relevant, I guess, to, to doctorhood. And I see Hakim here in the document wrote it. The Ugopnik shitting story. Did he shit himself? Yes. No, it's not about me. <laughs> I, I died laughing and I, I'm, I'm drunk at New Year's Eve. It's like 1 a.m. Uh, or the day before. And I'm texting the guys, guys, shitting, big shitting story. So just so I don't fucking forget it. And both of them are like, what the fuck is going on? So now I have to say it. And now as I'm talking, about it doesn't even sound that impressive but basically one guy got like an std or whatever one very good friend of mine and he went to uh, to get it checked at the doctor and for some reason he needed to jizz in a cup and he had masturbated what? earlier he had, he had masturbated earlier so 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 the jizz so the jizz uh you know wasn't as rich with sperm or whatever uh so he needed to you know wait a bit and then uh, jizz again and take more sperm in the cup so th- he was kind of traumatized by this felt like demasculine uh, and whatever uh, so like many years pass and he needs to go and uh, check something with his intestines so he needs to give a sample of shit to the doctor <laughs> and the doctor gives him yeah. a little cup and you know you're supposed to shit and then scoop up a little piece of shit and uh, oh take it God, to the guy no. but he was like last time they made me go back because I didn't jizz enough so this time this motherfucker just puts the cup on the ground and just fills it to the top <laughs> with a massive piece of staking fucking oh shit God. and he takes it literally in his hand to the fucking doctor who out of shock 
literally slaps it out of his hand and it just goes all <laughs> over the fucking hospital no. wall. Thank God it was like tiles. <laughs> it was easy to clean. But yeah, I just had to say, to tell you the story. Hopefully, Hakim, you don't experience it ever uh, and be very kind and not very aggressive with uh, with your uh, patients whenever they do, the, their sperm count isn't up to what whatever the fuck you are expecting. Because <laughs> what you'll get after that is a cup full of shit, quite literally. I, I, I was just going to say, I am very thankful that the only fluid, arguably, the only fluid that I haven't gotten on me from patients is semen. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I was say, I appreciate the well wishes, but sadly I've gotten th- that on. Been there, done <laughs> that, you my, say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I just, the second you said I knew, this guy just... <laughs> He's going to give himself a little ice cream scoop. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, fuck me. That is horrible. I'm just imagining he's this, like, I don't know, 110 kilos of pure muscle, dude. Uh, And he's sitting in this fucking dirty-ass, rancid-ass hospital uh, uh, bathroom, uh, like, balls out, ass out, right over a tiny plastic cup, trying to fucking fill it. I will never be able to erase <laughs> yeah, that out yeah. of my mind. This is, I was just going to say, he's lucky he didn't start another Yugoslav civil war. <laughs> Similar <laughs> thing that happened last time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my God. I have a, uh, a, a similar story, not about shedding though, but of equal, I think, emotional impact uh, that I want to <laughs> share with you guys. Um, I had recently, prior to New Year's, uh, I was out of the country. Uh, in a neighboring country, uh, visiting family and whatnot. Um, so I was just vibing, seeing some people, just chilling. Uh, and uh, in the middle of the night, at like 9, 9.30 in the evening, um, I get a call. And it's uh, one of my coworkers. And they're, they're like, hey, uh, um, so we kind of we kind of need you to come in. And I'm like, I, yeah, that's pretty cool. But uh, I'm, not, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not around. <laughs> so I don't know what you want from me. Uh, and basically, long story short, they they terrorized me into into forcing me to come in. Basically, Jeez. Um, yeah, it was a very uncomfortable experience. Uh, but then afterwards, finally, uh, they're like, you know what? There's absolutely nobody who can come in. Which, by the way, turns out, fuck, that was a lie. Uh, there, oh, in, in the end, they found they found dick, somebody. You stupid fox, but, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. But in the end, basically, they still needed people, so they bamboozled me into. So I got on a fucking train at eleven. Not on a train, excuse me, on a bus. A fucking Oh my god, yeah, at 11 o'clock in the evening, I got to the hospital at 3 in the morning. Oh my god. I, t- I, I, t- I took a taxi from the fucking, from the station to the, to the, uh, to the hospital, and then I just got to work. Fantastic. <laughs> oh my god. And I had, I had been up since 8 in the morning, so I had, I had basically been up for 25 or 26 hours at that point. Um, so yeah, that what was my, heck? yeah, yeah. It was a night shift, in case that wasn't clear as well, that they wanted me to work, which is kind yeah. of... You know what? I think I also would rather get shit on me. Yeah, right. <laughs> than yeah, that honestly, yeah. That's, that's my point. Absolutely. I mean, fuck, fuck oh, it, man. With your job, it's a bit more difficult because you can't directly tell them to fuck off because if literally the hospital mm-hmm. is understaffed, somebody might get hurt yeah, or yeah. whatever. So uh, that's the the big minus, I guess. Of uh, yeah. you don't get to be lazy uh, I, ever. I sign. I signed the hippopotamus oath, guys. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I think we actually, our, our cultures have this in common, Hakeem. Uh, have Ooh. you told uh, Ugopnik about uh, the Mind Goblin? <laughs> no, I have not told them about the Ugopnik, Mind Goblin. have you heard of the Mind Goblin? <laughs> Sounds very familiar, but tell me about the Mind Goblin. <laughs> mind Goblin, these nuts! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
Hello, everybody, and welcome back to uh, another episode of D Program after a horrific, horrific D's Nuts joke. <laughs> I apologize to all sides, including myself. <laughs> the person being wrong, wrong the most here, honestly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, aside from this, today we have a very interesting uh, episode for you. Uh, today will be the first part in a uh, hopefully four part, possibly three, but hopefully four part expose of liberalism, where we're going to go over you know the foundations of liberalism, amongst other you know uh, the, the tenets of it. It's relation to capitalism, property, um, historical liberalism, as well as relation to, uh, to socialism and revolution. Basically, an entire little neat theoretical package for you to not only understand liberalism, but also understand why it's bullshit. So if, I, if, you, if you allow me to, to begin, uh, liberalism, as is the meme of the century, but not only this century, the past two minimum, um, our entire purpose, as I mentioned, is to give you a breakdown of the most prevalent currently, as well as all most um, all-pervasive, if I can use that terminology, form of capitalist ide- ideology that currently exists. I will also kind of speak about how most of capitalist ideology kind of exists on a spectrum between liberalism to fascism, but this is for later. In the introduction, our analysis, fundamentally as Marxists, is class-based. Um, that's what makes us better than liberals, because we don't just fucking drive ideas from, from uh, thin air and just try to apply them to society. We reflect on the material basis of everything around us. That's what gives Marxism its inherent superiority. The general idea that Marxism tries to deliver, especially when analyzing these sort of things, is that the material conditions, the underlying reality, uh, rather than whatever metaphysical events or ideas exist, play the prime role in the history of man and history of ideas. Does that mean that man and ideas have absolutely no influence over history and its course? No, not at all. That's not what Marx tried to say. That's not what Engels tried to say. That's not what we are trying to say. But every single idea, no matter what it may be, has origins in the material conditions that surround it. Uh, and I'd like to give this example before. I've given him in a recent video of mine, actually, that Marx couldn't have come up with or delivered uh, his analysis, scaling analysis of capitalism had it not, had he been born, for example, in ancient Sumeria or in Tang Dynasty, China, because the material conditions didn't exist, let alone the, the, the background work that he relied on from Adam Smith and Ricardo and others. Another example that you could just very easily bring up is any, bring up the most educated and like a quote unquote um, sophisticated of ancient uh, history, bring any Roman emperor, for example, and they couldn't possibly imagine what the 21st century would look like. Uh, in that same way, because we're materialists, we can't possibly imagine what communism will look like either, aside from very basic, vague general- generalities, like, exa- for example, post-scarcity would exist. Well, yeah, no shit, post-scarcity will exist. Uh, but, like, how everything will specifically be organized, how relations will be organized, how uh, people will take in and out from a particular surplus, etc., etc., that is something that will coalesce and form on its own as we progress into those stages of human development, uh, if the climate catastrophe doesn't destroy us. So get organizing. Um, there's a Chinese saying. It's Mao used it as well, so that's why a lot of Marxists know it, but uh, it's a, a much wider saying, like most of the sayings that uh, Mao used, uh, in which basically a single rice grain can tip the scale. Uh, in Marxist terminology, what this is is a quantitative to qualitative shift. Uh, and the example, of course, given again from Chinese history is a single man may be the reason a battle is won, but the material conditions are the reason the battle is taking place to begin with. And I hope this kind of uh, is understandable uh, from the materialist worldview and why we approach things this way. Do you, do you boys have anything to, to, to add to, to, to this? Uh, our analysis that is fundamentally class-based, uh, material-based, and also just simply based. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I take issue with uh, the Roman emperor thing because I think if I were a Roman emperor, I could probably imagine TikTok, 
Uh, I could probably <laughs> imagine um, uh, the, the Tesla Cybertruck uh, yes, that doesn't have uh, airbags. Um, <laughs> fun fact. <laughs> I forgot that. <laughs> but could you imagine? Could could you imagine the kitchen gadgets in which you basically put like half a tomato and then you close it and then it makes perfect little squares of the tomato? Could you imagine that? <laughs> no, that that is beyond the fathoming of, of even the wisest, even even Sages. Socrates, or Plato, <laughs> even George Orwell himself. Couldn't George Orwell? Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! 1984's own. Uh, All right, fuck. I'm messing. I'm messing around. I'm, I'm derailing yeah. you. Please continue. No, 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 no. Yeah, you're beautiful, Habibi. Oh, sure um, I want to to also just bring us into the milieu, the environment of of liberalism, um, because in order to understand liberalism, we need to understand what came before it and what gave rise to its development. Um, so basically what material conditions gave rise to it and all that. Um, liberalism fundamentally is a Western European phenomenon that had been informed by philosophical input from other cultures and other civilizations. A lot of it being derived also, um, like the building blocks at least, in certain philosophical positions had been from uh, West Asian and North African philosophy, particularly, particularly Islamic philosophy. That's not to mean that uh, Islam is a liberal philosophy, but a lot of philosophers of the Islamic tradition had written up treatises that were then studied by the uh, eminent uh, philosophers-to-be of Europe uh, that led them to certain conclusions, etc., etc. Like uh, we've discussed this uh, to no end previously. No ideas you know, just come from thin air. They're the endless contribution of tens of thousands, if not hundreds, if not millions uh, of people altogether, along with the material conditions. You opening had a nice little uh, what's it called monologue about this in one of our very early episodes, actually, that I still remember to this day. Mm. Um, but my point being is that although we have this background, it is nonetheless at the beginning a Western European phenomenon, specifically forming in a feudal background. Why do I specify this? Because feudalism doesn't, didn't exist world over. Feudalism as well was mostly a European phenomenon. West Asia, North Africa, East Asia, etc. had different pre-capitalist or quote-unquote Asiatic modes of production um, that uh, preceded capitalism. And this is also a controversial point because the Asiatic mode of production, as uh, turned by Marx and Engels, uh, is... In a way, I'm not like it's in a way a bit racist the way they mm, formed it. Yeah. Um, but the fundamental analysis was still kind of correct. Um, and uh, different people have turned to different things like tributary modes of production, etc. Uh, but the general idea of Asiatic uh, modes of production is that there is a more or less strong central state that controls most land and most access to water, irrigation systems, for example. Uh, and as a result, um, you have an independent system of, uh, or inter interdependent, excuse me, system of villages and urban centers uh, that all kind of uh, link up to a, a political core, political center uh, ruled by a fairly powerful and uh, centralized political clique, if you can even mm -hmm. use that word, usually in forms of dynasty and one, dynasties and whatnot. And quadrillion um, bureaucrats that make it all run. Basically. Yeah. Exactly right. Exactly right. And as a result, these conditions, of course, are very different from the conditions that gave rise to capitalism and to liberalism. Because of these pre-capitalist formations uh, or Asiatic modes of form, uh, production or other forms of pre-capitalist formations that are even more complex that we don't have time to get into, um, the material conditions that gave rise to liberalism were not present in, for example, in China or in my country, in Iraq or the Ottoman Empire, as it was part of at the time, uh, or in like Morocco or wherever else. Um, and that's why, for example, the... Uh, 
political as well as philosophical liberalism only finally made its way, only arose in these areas in, in East Asia and North Africa and whatnot after the military imposition, number one, of, of uh, capitalist class relations as well as general hegemony by being incorporated into a world system of capitalist trade relations, etc., etc. So it only came after the forceful imposition of these new material conditions to give to give uh, the, the, the necessary background. But let's get back to Europe. Uh, in most urban centers, there had been, in, or at least not in most, but in several urban centers, particularly across Western Europe, you had a growth of something called the burger. Uh, rank or title um, yes exactly right uh, I, I, there's a way to pronounce it but I, I, I don't give a shit uh, so yes the McDonald's rank <laughs> or the Burger the Burger the, <laughs> the Whopper rank and title um, JT does Wendy's have a dedicated fucking burger name uh, I think that I think theirs is the Baconator yeah. Oh, okay. That is so right. lame. Interesting. Oh, Lord. You, yeah. you seem to be aware of Wendy's. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. You got me again? <laughs> no, this is garbage. I'm sorry. You don't even laugh at that. Don't give me the dignity. Uh, <laughs> or the indignity. I don't know which. which. But, anyways, <laughs> getting back to the material, there had been a growth of the Borger uh, rank or title in cer- certain European urban centers, particularly in Western Europe. These people happened to be privileged urban citizens, either either because they owned land or found a way to basically uh, purchase or, in through other illicit means, get uh, land underneath their ownership, um, or through uh, aristocratic lines, amongst other ways of attaining the position of being a Borger. <laughs> this simultaneously coincided with urban expansion that happened as a, with the, um, the formation of guilds eventually, um, and this economic concentration at the same time also within urban centers. Uh, because of, of course, technological expansion that had happened in like the 15th century, we had the the printing press. Um, was well, it 15th or 16th? I don't remember. Uh, Gutenberg, right? Ah, fuck, I don't care. You know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um, uh, the the march of progress is uh, slow but steady. Generally, right? People will figure out mm. new things to do stuff. Um, and as a result of this, regardless of other developments, this technological expansion combined with economic concentration within urban centers as well as enlargement of urban centers themselves gave rise to these guilds that at the same time began standardizing and expanding productive forces. Now, what does this mean in fucking non... Uh, in, <laughs> in non-zero pussy-getting terms, if I'm uh. allowed to say that. <laughs> Uh, what, <laughs> what this means I'm sorry that was a horrible fucking joke uh, that was really good I'm just trying, finally a good one not, and he fucking curses it out continue <laughs> I'm just trying to keep it light yeah exactly right uh, what do I specifically mean by standardizing expanding pr- the productive forces this specifically means that the way things were produced and the way raw materials were collected and then afterwards turned into things commodities eventually um, this was number one standardized so there was uh, or slowly being standardized that means there's this one way which is the best way to do this um, it should be done according to these steps a b c d e etc and also because of the standardization it could be more easily copied uh, across differing urban centers so as a result this expanded the productive capacity or potential of differing areas different societies these guilds because they start accumulating a certain amount of economic power underneath them arose when these burghers themselves which were mostly either craftsmen artisans people of former aristocratic uh, lineage uh, who had done mercantile activities or merchants um, these people conflicted with feudal landlords who were rent seeking uh, they asked for way more rent uh, than uh, like previous agreements basically previous contracts etc and then this began a class struggle i believe a certain bearded individual had told us that all hitherto existing history has been a history of class struggle uh, but this is a very uh, 
a microcosm or a very simple uh, low case example of this in which the interests of these burgers in their in their guilds completely clashed with the interests of the landlords who basically rented the land to them this resulted obviously in class struggle in which it was fairly clear that the burgers they uh, won out increased economic resources specifically as a result of the aforementioned increased productive capacity, standardization, etc. Uh, these increased economic resources at the hands of the burgers meant basically increased ownership of profit, uh, property mm-hmm. as they grew. And afterwards, along with property, meant capital. So usually this meant money uh, at the time. But it could have meant also private access to certain raw materials uh, through fucked up, you know, uh, common enclosure nonsense. This is mm-hmm. uh, a way bigger uh, story about the development of capitalism. We can't get into it right now. But as a result, uh, all this capital and property and whatnot, this led to the uh, opportunistic support uh, for this or that lord or king uh, in accordance with the interests of this new burgeoning class, uh, which then eventually became termed the bourgeoisie. Uh, and as time marched on, as they accumulated more, first of all, uh, property and capital, and then after, meaning economic power, thereafter they began accumulating social, and then finally began, began being able to, through this opportunistic support for the people who are currently in power, they became the principal economic and then thereafter political and military support of the current existing ruling order, which were st- aristocrats, lords, kings, etc. Uh, so they basically pulled the rug from underneath them, the people who used to have all the power, they took all the power and basically controlled things behind the scenes if you want to if you want to uh, put it that way so the image of the polit- of political power was the king but the king couldn't raise an army anymore without the help of these mm-hmm. of this new class because these are the people who have all the, all money, the money all the property etc etc exactly at the same time uh, this uh, burgeoning new class and these uh, developments socially slowly gave rise to a new philosophy that had found the material uh, new material realities to arise this new philosophy being liberalism slowly but surely they consolidated their power until they overthrew the former feudal order uh, and this is this being of course in the various bourgeois democratic revolutions of Europe throughout the 18th and even 19th century um, and this is by the way in the liberal um, presentation of course we understand mm. that there was a quote unquote bourgeois democratic revolution in China after after uh, 1949, but this is like the socialist road to this is completely different. And don't don't think about the, the Maoist conceptions right now. We're speaking specifically about liberalism as it was practiced in Europe prior to Marxism being or scientific socialism being founded, uh, up, at least until up, in, uh, up until this point. Uh, anything to say, boys? Anything to add? Yeah, it was really interesting because uh, one particular differentiating factor between a, for example, proletarian revolution and the way the bourgeois revolution, which was incredibly successful. Uh, is that uh, at the point at which uh, the aristocratic order and even in a lot of countries the the monarchy itself was overthrown? It was not overthrown for a, from a position from a position of disposition. Uh, the bourgeois class had at that at in most countries, including in France, had uh, at one at that point accumulated so much what we could at this point even call capital, that it uh, indirectly held all the all the power in the particular state. Uh, the revolution was more of a formalizing of the new ideological current and the new uh, liberal capitalist system with the overthrowal of the previous uh, 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 feudal order. Well, in in a potential socialist revolution, the the, the image is very different because the proletariat, you know, cannot reform its way into a a position of of great comfort and then also choose to to do... uh, uh, to overthrow the capitalist system for 700 reasons we've talked about this uh, talked about this previously but it's very interesting how uh, even from a position of power uh, 
the bourgeois revolutions of, of Europe were mostly carried out uh, when we're talking about the foot soldiers, when we're talking about the meat that was thrown against the, the loyalists and the monarchists and so on, used uh, what later on would become basically uh, either the peasantry or the, the proletarian classes kind of under the the promise of uh, a much better uh, society than the one that their forefathers had lived under. And, you know, arguments could be made, but uh, uh, I don't think it's really debatable that the, 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 the crushing destruction of feudalism well, yes, being replaced by capitalism, which now in the late 20th and 21st century has been uh, kind of uh, outgrown, but that system being implemented instead of the European feudal one, it, we can only talk about Europe here, was a great success for uh, uh, for our species in general and the, the, the yeah. step, step in the right direction. Uh, it just, mm. uh, I don't know, to me it's, it's super interesting how if you lived in that time, it would have been absolutely unimaginable that somebody could hold more power and control over be it the state and be it just everyday regular life than people quite literally mm. ordained by God, yeah. the monarchs uh -huh. and then the people ordained by them and yet now in, in at least modern capitalism we have uh, people that would make the monarchs of those times look like a fucking joke when it comes to just how much capital influence and money they have uh, born out of the, the little fledgling burger class which overtook uh, overtook the feudal lords uh, of the past and just uh, the reason why I'm mentioning this is if if uh, kind of the next step in, in societal evolution is not socialism but is something uh, far darker imagine how much even more power might be concentrated in a uh, in uh, in the ruling classes, if it was unimaginable for a feudal peasant to imagine the billionaires of today, imagine what kind of uh, we don't even have a word for it <laughs> right now. What kind of uh, a devil spawn could uh, could come to fruition with more and more capital accumulation? Uh, but yeah, there's a lot to be learned definitely from the from bourgeois revolutions, but. Uh, in its entirety, not all of it is very relevant for uh, for a proletarian one because of just uh, the difference in the class structure of the burghers and uh, and the proles. But yeah, yeah, great, great outline, Hakim. Yeah, very well said. But no, exactly right. Uh, what Yugopnik highlighted specifically uh, is that uh, capitalism and the bourgeois revolutions at the time, which usually took on a Republican type of character, uh, character. Um, I don't mean Republican in the American sense. I mean like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is that even the right English? Republican or Republicist? No, Republican. Is Republican. More, more. Yeah, yeah. All right. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, so the Republican essence in it at that at one point had been a progressive thing, um, and then there like subsequently uh, as history went onwards, liberalism, capitalism outlived their usefulness. Specifically, capitalism uh, capitalism as a socio-economic system because that's what gave rise to the other two things. Um, and by modern republic, I mean I don't mean specifically like the gr Greek republics. Um, but yeah, the very beautifully put. Uh, and it grew a lot through. Sorry, just last thing. It grew, grew through universities, which is very funny because the capitalists of today 
all the time are scared about, you know, Marxists and universities and professors converting us and so on and so on, because historically uh, people with money invested in universities, then they required professors to teach liberalism to mm. a bunch of motherfuckers mm. who also had money, who then propagated mm. that uh, further on, spread that propaganda further on, and then led potentially to a revolution. But that cannot happen with our universities, because I'm not seeing Marxists walking around opening fucking uh, Harvard libraries and asking for the installment uh-huh. of you know it's it's the opposite material reality of how this can grow and that can grow. please show yeah show me these universities my i went to <laughs> arguably the most anti-communist fucking shithole oh god my i'm not even gonna get into it uh, so yes <laughs> if you have at least if you have one vaguely leftist not even marxist vaguely leftist professor yeah that's what we say in orbit like um be thankful to god all right <laughs> for this for this for this benefit for this privilege Okay, this blessing that you have, Jesus. Anyways, um, on to the ideology of liberalism, because we gave lots of context uh, of our approach here, but let's specifically say, what the fuck is liberalism? The material conditions, again, uh, I keep harping on this point, it's, it's very tired to hear a Marxist say the term material conditions, um, but we say it because it clearly it hasn't fucking made its way through to the liberals around us, um, but the material conditions prior gave rise to the philosophical presuppositions that uh, liberalism basically uh, developed. Uh, so it's not like, oh, people thought up liberalism and then enacted it and then made this society. It's that the social conditions within society changed and as a result gave rise. I already repeated this like 10 times, okay? Um, these All this happened because these philosophical presuppositions were in the interests of this new developing class, the bourgeoisie. In a nutshell, just to uh, highlight the uh, tenets of the, of the ideology of liberalism, number one is that it was pro, quote-unquote, individual liberty, uh, we're going to get into for who and how Favorite. and whatnot in a second. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Number two, uh, it's the an, uh, that being anti-concentration of power or uh, pro-plurality. Plural, fuck, I can't speak. Um, number three, constitutionalism. Number four is pro-minority rights, not the minorities you're thinking of, yeah. <laughs> but pro-minority rights. Number five, a sanctification of private property. Uh, of course, again, for whom, blah, 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 white, male, landowner, we're going to get into this, just wait, right? And of course, um, I don't know, I don't remember what number I was on now, uh, the final one being <laughs> capitalism. So let's let's discuss this a bit. I want to open up the floor to you lovely boys. Uh, I want to st- start with the, the, the um, individual liberty, pro-individual liberty point. Uh, can you please discuss for whom, what, what does liberty mean, where its limits, um, why have they recently been expanded from what existed in like the 1780s in the US to what we have now? Please, you boys, you discuss. I'm just going to lay back. <laughs> Ajay team, do, 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 do you feel like you have many liberties? <laughs> I have, yes, I have the uh, I have the freedom to freeze to death here in Texas if the electrical yes. grid goes down. I have the freedom to, to starve to death if I choose <laughs> not to work uh, for a single day. I can be fired at mm-hmm. will. These these liberties that we are given, it's kind it's it, it's hard to get through to to my fellow Americans what exactly is being sold to us. All right, look at it like this. You have the choice to work at a job or not. This is one of the most common um things that like a libertarian will tell you. Hey, like if you don't like your job, you know, just just quit. Okay. Mm. So, if I were to quit my job, you know, it's it's that's great. I've exercised my power, my individual liberty to do that. But I do not have the means to support myself without selling my labor power to one of these people. So really, it's not there's no choice to be had there. It's you work or you starve. It's a coercive relationship between those who purchase labor power 
mm-hmm. for a wage and those who sell it for a wage. So these liberties are it's a facade. It's 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 a mirage. You don't you're not free to exercise any of these these rights if you're trapped in this coercive relationship as a worker versus the the all-powerful uh, business owner, the the billionaire class, Jeff Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg, all those people who actually own the places that are are so graciously offering you employment for, as a choice, of course. Yeah, perfect example. I mean, it's a, individual liberty is at worst propaganda and at best an oversimplification. Uh, as JT said, the main thing that it implies is that you can live in a society where nobody can coerce you into doing anything, which sounds absolutely fucking phenomenal, but if one guy was living in a desert all by himself. We live in, yes, play the Joker fucking meme behind me. We live in a society, <laughs> an interconnected network of economy, uh, culture, uh, family, etc., etc., where absolutely every single thing that one person does influences and bounces off of everyone in their near uh, vicinity. That includes structures such as what JT uh, mentioned, uh, private enterprise, that includes the state, that includes your local municipal government, et cetera, et cetera. Places that while they might not, you know, send a police force over to your home to beat you over the head with a baton because you have quote unquote individual liberty, they will also let, while they will not do that, on the other side, they will let you starve to death on the street because you do not choose to participate in the particular way this system has been set up. And that is a natural part of basically every system. If you do not want to participate in it, you will eventually be kicked out. But liberalism has the audacity to tell you that you have the choice to not participate while not actually letting you not participate because you will be excluded very violently sometimes out of said liberal experiment or or, or society. It is it is just a buzzword at this point. It's, uh, it's a uh, calling card for for the most mainstream, most fucking uh, margarine and not even butter fucking levels of Mm -hmm. politicians who stand for basically absolutely nothing. And while uh, liberal philosophers of uh, days gone very innocently might have proposed this because they lived in societies where, yes, the feudal landlord could beat the shit out of you, or, uh, you know, you lived for 35 years, a knight can be passing through your fucking town, he thinks you're the wrong type of Christian, he cuts your fucking head off. For them, that definition of individual liberty might have sounded, uh, uh, for lack of a better word, liberating. But when Mm -hmm. adapted to the to the modern context, it is uh, fugazi fugazi. It is like it, it means fucking nothing except just sounding intellectual and uh, wise and uh, profound. Yeah, no, beautifully, beautifully put. Uh, I agree with both of you guys completely. The entire concept of liberty is so inherently, or individual liberty, is so inherently inherently self-contradictory as to be meaningless, especially when this individual liberty can be suspended practically at whim. 
that's number one. Number two, originally when it was brought forth, the liberty was supposed to be, oh, you know, you have freedom to think and believe and blah, blah, whatever you want. But instead of, for example, having a state religion of some kind and all that kind of stuff, instead all these were suspended and in its place, liberalism was put basically as the uh, state religion or all pervasive state ideology that you have to follow. Um, and we'll get into this and how this actually plays With into capitalism society. Capitalism in the top, yeah. Exactly, where, where instead of it, like a private property and, and markets become the things that are uh, basically deified, sanctify the things that you have to essentially worship <laughs> uh, in a funny way. And if you see how they speak about it, you, it does very much sound like worship. But we'll get into the, the, the details of this. Let's, let's move on to the, the second uh, beauty, which is the anti-concentration of power or uh, anti-tyranny, pro-plurality, fuck, I can't speak, <laughs> plurality. plurality. Thank you. <laughs> Point. So, do people still think I'm fucking fluent in English? fuck you <laughs> these people stuff it okay anyways <laughs> so yes the the anti-tyranny point uh please uh for whom why is it that liberal or pro-capital concentration of power is okay uh as a, like you know for example uh, as opposed to other forms of quote-unquote concentration of power that are, are maybe anti-capital uh, when is this relaxed when is this tightened um i will i will give one point and then i'll allow you guys to discuss but this is um Something that really irritates me, because when you read uh, into liberalism as it's taught in textbooks, like how this is university taught liberalism, there is unironically a party line about the uh, mm-hmm. plurality point. Um, so yeah, I got it there. Thank God. <laughs> uh, there is generally, like hilariously enough, a party line about this in which they believe that this, uh, the various political parties, um, for example, as opposed to to uh, centralization, uh, is the is the godsend of liberalism, and this is basically the tip top uh, creme de la creme development of human civilizational thought and society that we've reached. That we can have several parties. I'm going to quote uh, from the Mass Line uh, Dictionary here because they have a, a beautiful little uh, point. The quote unquote multiple bourgeois parties under classical liberalism almost always agree on the most important issues for the capitalist class and virtually always unite as one party when their class rule is threatened by a rebellious working class or by another capitalist power. And this is something that has been repeated over and over again. You saw this in World War One. You saw this right now in the US against China, where the Republicans, Democrats have basically one fucking line. Uh, what's it called? Oh, by the way, uh, the, the Democrats and Republicans against the BLM stuff. Um, the the, the uh, And another, like, you know, um, grassroots movements that became co-opted by, by liberals again. Um, so this is the, 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 the essential nonsense of this. But I'll leave it to you guys. You please discuss. So one thing that, that comes to mind um, in the, the quote-unquote West, and particularly in the United States, is that concentration of power is only a problem if it's the government, if people see it mm-hmm. as the, a, an elected, quote-unquote, authority, a governmental body stepping in and regulating their life with concentrated power to do a lot of things. But if that same power is wielded by private citizens... This is how you end up with with the Zuckerbergs and the Gateses and the Bezoses of the world. You have people, individual people and their companies with more power than entire governments. I mean, the United States mm-hmm. government is entirely beholden to, say, the fossil fuel industry, for example. It is Its hands are tied when dealing with capital concentrated in that amount. Um, if I'm allowed to just to just uh, throw in one comment, did you see the opinion uh, piece that was, oh, it's time for uh, Facebook and uh, Amazon to have a seat at the UN? Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> 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 just, yeah. just to bring this, sorry, come on. Yeah, that's exactly right. You see, that that's when they have such tremendous power and they are not accountable in the ways that a democratic government is. Mm. 
that is far more dangerous than you know whatever ooh authoritarian government could ever be and that's mm. but for 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 whatever reason that is seen as as perfectly okay and not just okay but it is something to aspire to that private citizens can have that amount of power over a government no exactly right and it's such a the, the point that people always miss in this nonsense concentration is concentration of power is wrong as long as it's the concentration of power for the wrong interests or the wrong people, mm-hmm. right? Uh, if it's capital, as JT mentioned, within, for example, private enterprise, as they wield said power over the government and in most cases become themselves a part of said government, um, it's seen as completely okay. In the same way they speak about, you know, democracy and democratic participation, um, but they never speak of the economic aspect of this, right? They're beholden to profits and their shareholders, but the actual democratic participation of workers within their workplaces, this is something that is fundamentally um i would i dare say uh i have never once seen it brought up in any official capacity or in any official like quote unquote oh we're the shining uh, the city on the hill shining example of, of democracy type countries never once have i seen them bring up economic democracy it's mm-hmm. always always boiled down to simply just parliamentary bullshit uh, of usually capitalist parties versus other capitalist parties uh, even the quote-unquote socialist ones are basically capitalist parties uh, who fundamentally agree on like 98 percent of things except oh we want less pensions we want more pensions we want kind of more uh what's it called uh, taxes we want uh, kind of less taxes etc yeah i mean even if they disagreed on more things i mean at this point this is a tired dr wolf uh, point but still it's it's worth mentioning for the context of anti-tyranny, like we are anti-tyranny, uh, eight hours of your working day, you know, you can vote and then your government uh, will uh, listen to your vote and it will influence how you spend your free time. But we are absolutely supportive and absolutely okay with tyranny for the eight to nine most important hours of your day we where you are tyranny. in a hardcore <laughs> yeah. motherfucking uh uh, authoritarian uh, government, quote unquote, inside of a corporate structure, which uh, the only yeah. thing they're not doing yet is beating the shit out of us. But uh, th- no. trust me, kids, that's coming. Be. It would be done. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, then let's move on to the next beautiful point. And of course, uh, JT, I think you're you, uh, because your heart is so close to the Constitution, uh, <laughs> you have it tattooed on the inside of your eyelid. Um, <laughs> I know that you're going to have the most to, to, to contribute to yeah, this. Careful, Nicholas Cage is going to steal your eyes. <laughs> wow. Exactly. Oh, man, that'd be a privilege, honestly. Okay, so constitutionalism, the idea that there should be a some basically a static piece of paper or is it static? Ooh, that's a question. Um, A some sort of declaration in which certain um, ideas are presented. Uh, in order to set up your particular political structure. The idea is constitutionalism, but for whom? Are they static? Is there when or can a constitution be suspended? Who are they written for? Who are they written by? Can they be changed, etc., etc.? Please discuss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here in, in the U.S., it is a second Bible. It is mm. a dusty old piece of paper written by slave owners that is held in such high regard that it is blasphemy to even consider, hey, maybe we should do a new one of these. Maybe this one's a little bit outdated and doesn't reflect the the current uh, culture of the United States, stuff like that. And it's the, the things enshrined in the Constitution are not to benefit the average working person. It was to defend the rights and interests of the wealthy white landowning males that uh, that wrote the thing. So that's it's it's incredibly frustrating when when you see 
you know, a normal working class person say, oh, you know, the Constitution is basically an inspired document, and they, they do treat it almost like a holy book. And that's, I'm curious how constitutions are seen in, in other countries, <laughs> because <laughs> growing up here, it, I, it, it would be absurd to have one thrown out and rewritten, but in places like, uh, like Chile, it happens all the time. Uh, constitutions here are to wipe your ass with. Um, that's what they are. Uh, <laughs> constitutions basically are are they're worth less in most of the world. I believe they're worth less than the paper they're fucking written on. Um, yeah. And I would I dare say if it wasn't for the weird civic religion and the weird deification of the American Constitution, I would say for most Americans they don't give three shits about the the, the Constitution if they weren't told to worship it so much. I don't yeah. do most are most Americans even. Have they even read their constitution? Do, well, like, they've, read, they they were forced to read it in like third grade and stuff like that. We are mm. it's it's like the core curriculum of your youth. Like when you're in elementary and middle school, you learn oh, about yes. you learn about the founding fathers. You learn to recite the pledge of allegiance. You learn about the constitution and why it's prime so indoctrination. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> like that's, every, that's all. But it like is. every state, so let's not over stimulate yeah, yeah. Or, no, no, no. or jizzle over the face of America. Uh, just America is, you know, younger than half of the houses in the neighborhood where I'm living at. And, <laughs> and it, needed, it needs a, a mythos of uh, right. uh, what yeah. is the definition of America because it doesn't have the mythos that most nation states do, which is uh, motherfuckers that look like me and pray to the same God yeah. as me. So you guys need something else. And, uh, you know, uh, this shiny Very piece good of paper yeah. is what, what you what was chosen and worse things could have been chosen and um, uh, but um, you know arguably nobody could have predicted just how uh, deified it's going to become and it's very fucking weird for the rest of the world to listen to you guys talk about your your constitution which you did amend a few times and like those amendments mm-hmm. were like the fucking you know like like the pope coming down and accepting gay people mm. or something like <laughs> oh my fucking god we're doing this uh, but uh Constitutionalism, in general, as a part of, of uh, liberal doctrine, just implies you need to have uh, set, written out uh, rules, which is like, okay, Basically. okay, bro, it's like you're fine, very yeah, no smart, shit, yeah. yeah, yeah. Fucking kings had that. Okay. The thing is about constitutions or constitutionalism, because there's nothing. I, I want to bring up this point, okay? Because you can have, for example, a concept of constitution or constitutionalism in a way that isn't inherently a component of liberalism this is a very deepened like analysis we're not going to get there right now um likewise with other stuff uh that we mentioned uh, earlier today kind of like for example there is a socialist approach towards basically plurality or anti uh, concentration of power in certain segments that could be delivered you can have a criticism or a opinion of this of this uh form that can be delivered but we're specifically talking about uh liberalism and in, lim- in the liberal uh, conception of constitutionalism at the end of the day again it is they will abide by the sacred you know uh, dictum the sacred document uh, of principles by how to govern until it becomes inconvenient for the people that benefit uh, from liberals and the most that being the ruling class the capitalist class so that's why for example you see constitutions all over the world um, basically either torn up or amended to so, um, fit these ideas for example uh, the, the example I always like to give is that if you really wanted to you couldn't 
constitutionally basically reform uh, any European country, or for example, the US, for example, to outlaw private property and to institute an economic plan. This, this, it would never happen. It would never be allowed to happen. And that's kind of the point. Uh, as long as you exist within the capitalist system, the constitution exists as a, a basically a, not a fail-safe, but a secondary protection of the capitalist mode of production and capitalist relations to protect profit, to pr- protect private property, which is at the root of all of this. Um, that's number one. Number two, the idea of them being static or not. Again, it, it matters little unless there is some form of development that makes it matter. And I, what I mean by this is, for example, in Venezuela, uh, when the constitution was basically rewritten and then handed out to every citizen, basically, and they knew their rights, um, and it became part of a, a constitution that was written by the people. For example, in Cuba, uh, the 1936 constitution of the USSR, for example, is another perfect example of this, amongst many other examples. Uh, in this case, then it becomes a different analysis that we can deliver. Um, but yeah, this is the, the, the inherent issue with the idea of constitutionalism. It isn't necessarily progressive unless you're still back in the 1700s. But moving on. And it's directly linked to, to whatever the, the, the system in which you are writing the constitution in with, uh, meaning a, a mm. constitution of a, of a socialist system obviously will completely disregard private property and the core tenets of capitalism, yeah. and it will establish uh, the, the core rules under which, in which uh, you can participate in a socialist economy and a socialist system, uh, and all of those things, most of those things throughout you know, decades and centuries will be modifiable except for the core tenets, just like a constitution in capitalism. Mm. Almost everything is modifiable. Almost all rules can be changed except the core tenets, which in capitalism is private property, basically. Exactly right. Speaking of which, uh, we're almost to that point, but one point prior, which is a big thing, is the pro-minority rights point. And of course, they don't mean minority rights as in, um, like, you know, for example, blacks or something. No, they meant at the time, specifically people of bourgeois origin, uh, property owners. That's what they mean, specifically. Because these people at the time... The OG oppressed uh, group, baby! (laughs) Exactly right. They they had been the people who were uh, the minority in that particular... Who will think uh, of the burgers? Yeah, who will That's think of the, of the burgers and then the, the nuggets and the, you know, who will think <laughs> of them? <laughs> so, speaking of which, fuck, I can demolish some nuggets. Hold on. Actually, as you boys discuss this point, the <laughs> pro-minority rights, for whom, okay, uh, why was this considered a core perspective for them? Did this extend in any meaningful way, at least afterwards, to other people? Uh, specifically, please, you discuss while you do that. I'm going to look up what restaurants around me can deliver some nuggets. <laughs> try, you should try some both of these. <laughs> Have you eaten? <laughs> oh yes, I, I, uh, yeah, no. You know what? I do very much enjoy to buffer these nuts. Ah, <laughs> okay. okay, okay, okay. So, whenever liberalism encourages the inclusion of uh, an additional group into the uh, mainstream of society, uh, it pretends that it does so out of the core principles that which are. Uh, you know, a part of liberalism, which is the expansion of rights to all groups and more mm. groups, et cetera, et cetera. It's doing it because it is the ideological underpinning of the whole uh, idea, et cetera, et cetera. But what we've seen through the centuries and through the decades is that it uh, includes new groups in the so-called, you know, average citizenry out of mostly two reasons. Either it is absolutely forced to do so, 
example for that being uh, South African fighting of apartheid with the with the defeat of the apartheid system. Uh, blacks were allowed to be first-rate citizens to an extent uh, because the liberal government of the of said country was forced into accepting that. 1950s, 60s, United States as well, or the other, just the expansion of markets which want to. Uh, uh, squeeze out uh, more money out of groups which up until that point were not necessarily considered uh, acceptable uh, or seen as, uh, you know, real citizens or whatever. And this doesn't even have to apply to minority rights such as literal ethnicities, etc., etc. These can be cultural, these can be religious rights, and, and so on. When capitalism at one point realizes that it can sell shit to these people, that uh, it can employ the shit out of those people, it will start uh, pitching ideas of equality, love, acceptance, and coexistence. You know that blue sticker with the uh, mm. <laughs> with all the religious signs uh, at them because they want them to buy, uh, you know, uh, Louis Vuitton uh, hijabs and uh, Gucci uh, pride flags. Well, oh, exactly. if you want to see a, a, a perfect encapsulation of what minority rights means under liberalism, look no further than the uh, George Floyd and uh, Black Lives Matter protests back in, 20, in the summer of 2020. Because what you had was one minority... Uh, a racial minority, black Americans, um, very rightly demanding that their lives be respected. Uh, and what was juxtaposed against that by the mainstream media, the, the state media, or corporate lamestream media, media more like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the fake news media was um, was property rights, was the rights of business owners because these people were you know marching across their property and sometimes they'd smash a window or or the Arby's that burned and people are tweeting like oh Arby's has fallen <laughs> stuff like that. Oh it's like mm. it was very clearly skewed against one minority to favor mm. the one that has always been favored under liberalism mm. and, and that is mm. the property owning class. Exactly. exactly. And even and, if they and, do give them something, so even if they do give them something. You get just Nancy Pelosi kneeling while wearing some African shit. Yeah, like that. yeah, that's exactly. literally empty gestures. Yeah. yeah, exactly right. And that was a very important point that JT delivers. Like, yeah, we're the, the minority that's almost always uh, what's it called? That not almost always. It's always basically catered to. Uh, and this is where our diff our materialism and our material out materialist outlook uh, plays the 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 core part or the most important part um, is because. We differ from, for example, a fascist who's like, "Oh yeah, and that small minority are the Jews uh, because they're stupid <laughs> and they don't know and they don't know what the, they they don't know that hey, you know, just like they're Jewish, for example, capitalists, there's also Jewish workers, and this is what there's one of the few recorded speeches of Lenin that we have where we can hear his voice. He's speaking about this particular point that um, anti-Semitism is inherently stupid. Uh, mm. it, it's a ridiculous take. <laughs> it's it's not even a hot take. It's just stupid <laughs> because uh, at the end of the, if you were to carry out the material analysis, you'd come to realize that, yeah, just like with any other group, um, the relations to the means of production are what matter, not the particular ethnicity and whatnot. Yeah. Um, it's the capital ownership, not the circumcision of the PP. That is what you should be looking exactly. at. Exactly. And as a circumcised Semite myself... <laughs> <laughs> all right um, we, uh, we have so, all types of dicks here we have a uh, exactly. circumcised for uh, religion uncircumcised uh, or intact as i like it and uh, <laughs> uh jt just circumcised because america like you motherfucker. Like, <laughs> yeah. i'm uh, assuming yeah exactly right hey yeah. you know what 
Uh, you know I love what? how I just you, assumed you, it, but you, uh, right? You, you're, you're cut. It's right? most it's likely a very true. safe yeah. assumption. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a safe assumption. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. But hey, you know what? Good for you, all right? Uh, hey, uh, do not start. Oh, no, no, no. Shut <laughs> motherfucker. Hey. Circus uh, mutilated. <laughs> they mutilated you. Okay, let's not even okay. go there. Let us not go there. Just these, Islam, 10 out of 10. Point. But alcohol and cutting peepees, man, what the fuck. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I, mean, I, I said it just because I knew yeah, it would yeah. rise. I love you so much. Oh, fuck. All right, yeah, Leila. Um, the next point, uh, which is, of course, a very nice segue. Um, is private property specifically private property as some sort of like deified um, mm. concept uh, specifically private property when we talk about it wh- who do we speak of for, for whom specifically I mean if you remember A. Rand believed that uh, the Native Americans uh, their land wasn't their private property because they didn't have a European bank deed that te- deemed it such. Uh, <laughs> by the way, or anything, or anything by the that way. the British basically called India Britain <laughs> by coming and just putting a flag on the land and the Indians were like yeah. what the f- what the fuck is that colorful thing? And they're like, <laughs> it's a flag. This is ours now. And the Indians were like, mm. what do you mean? We have been here forever. And they're like, but do you have a flag? And the Indians are like, what? <laughs> yeah, you don't have a flag, do you? Like, we don't have a flag. I <laughs> <laughs> got you, bitch. Mine now, motherfucker. Uh, exactly. Joke, right. by the That's way. A- not, not mine. Of course, for the comedy, but the liberals in the wall start kicking. Uh, Yugopnik knows of the Mughals. He knows oh, about the, the various <laughs> fucking. Dis- he knows about the Im- immense cultural and put- all that about India. India was an absolute powerhouse. Twenty eight percent of the GDP of the of the Earth at the time. Currently, the US is twenty three percent. So it's Western, a bigger economy. The, the, blah, blah, blah. The, People the, know. The imperialist defines ownership in a different way than uh, exactly. uh, how That's he the point, accepts yeah. the documents of ownership of the people exactly. he is imperializing. So if you have yeah. a document that proves it's your house, but you're... Uh, Usually from your... <laughs> it's not written in English. He's like, suck a this coca. You know? Yeah, exactly. Mine now, motherfucker. <laughs> it's, here it's said <laughs> in English. It's literally a document. Yeah. It's so funny. I mean, yeah, it's not funny. It's very fucked up. But I just like <laughs> obviously they never had conversations, right? They, the motherfucker yeah. gets uh, hit in the head with the butt of the British rifle, and he stops talking. He gets kicked out of his house because the local mm. uh, British uh, regent for that particular mm-hmm. uh, Indian uh, uh, subsection to needs there. to yeah, yeah needs to chill there, yeah, exactly. needs to sleep there with his uh, with his wife and seventeen concubines. But the uh, but just I love imagining if it. It was actually a civil discussion. <laughs> you know, like, my house oh, now. Man, and he's yeah. like, no, sir, you see here, yeah. it says it's my house. He's like, what is that? And he's like, yes, sir, it's in, mm-hmm. it's in India. And he's like, but here I have another document that says this is actually mine. But uh, here, mine is stamped. Mine is stamped as well. Well, I don't accept your stamp. I accept my stamp. Get the fuck out of the house. And they just leave yeah. the house. I mean, kind of what Which is happening is in Israel, what, yeah. basically. Yeah. 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 yeah, basically. I was going to say, and with most, like, you know, third world to first world uh, documentation, basically, it's like, yeah, I don't recognize your stamp so fuck you yeah up until today up until today university degrees uh ownership documents uh even marriage my my entire life is this (laughs) 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 but yeah uh let's get to stick to the point though thank you for the uh, lovely contribution but private property specifically why is why is that why is the, the primacy of property specifically why is it this uh core you know Thing, why did they specifically set it for liberalism? Uh, and could anyone attain property even back then or 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 now? Um, discuss, please. 
<laughs> well, it, it was the bourgeois revolution, the bourgeoisie won. They, all their wealth and power comes from private property. Therefore, they have to instill it both into liberal and capitalist ideology. Otherwise, everything goes poof. All of their power is concentrated really? in this one particular concept. So they will never let it go. I absolutely understand. Fair. But we don't mm. give a fuck. Yeah. We're going to change it. But uh, yeah. if I was <laughs> exactly. them, that's exactly what, that's exactly what I would do. Uh, you know, and when the proletariat comes to power, they will establish their own rule. For example, absolutely no private property, mm. motherfucker. The, obviously, mm. we discussed <laughs> yeah, this exactly. seven hundred times. The differences between personal, blah blah blah, blah. Uh, capital generating, non capital. Uh, ah, Jesus, liberals in the world are fucking attacking. <laughs> but uh, uh, no, these you. are actually like uh, orthodox mm. Marxists in the world that are like, yeah. you're not differentiating. Oh my uh, god! Yeah, but uh, yeah, the, please, yeah. Don't start. Uh, Don't even fucking start. Well, what did I want to say? I, what did I want to say? What did I want to say? I wanted to say, uh, yeah, and then uh, maybe there's going to be a new disconnection between the proletarian class and some fucking futuristic whatever the fuck class of mm. like robot babies and then they're gonna be like <laughs> fuck your rule that cannot be changed and then we that is how societies evolve class warfare blah 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 you get to communism one day happy 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 end thank you exactly inshallah <laughs> and that's yeah. exactly it that's uh, the per uh, absolutely beautiful like <laughs> I'm concise I'm really talking uh, to babies but thank you yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like talking no no to, I like, mean uh, of course <laughs> the memes yeah aside the memes aside but what you said was beautiful. The primacy of property is because it is private property is inherently the like uh, core function in which or, or core source from which the capitalist class derives all its prop uh, all its power. Um, and this is why, for example, Marxism specifically has been always anti private property. In fact, abolition of private property is the first thing um, that we want to start the process of. Of course, it's not something that you do every day. Uh, it's not something you uh, do 100% from day one. Uh, yeah. But it is something that we would like to start the process of. Okay. And of course, the the next thing we're not going to discuss it because number one we discussed it ad nauseum elsewhere and number two we're going to kind of discuss it in a different way in the next episodes but of course capitalism markets and whatnot this is also inherent uh, um, part of liberalism um, and the economic relations of all the shit we're going to discuss it later I want to just give us a a summary or, or, or the, the general thesis of these several episodes we're going to give and it's this liberalism is in in and of itself it's an inherently contradictory and by its own standards illiberal philosophy it's built to serve the interests of the bourgeoisie it's specifically built to serve the interests of property property of uh, of uh, profit and of capital even liberal thinkers themselves were highly internally hypocritical or contradictory mostly usually in racist or or in orientalist ways excuse me uh, and we'll show this eventually like in, in the subsequent episodes even during the inception of liberalism Every genocide, every war, every enslavement, or anything else was considered fair game in the cause of their so-called liberty and in the cause of their, you know, philosophical uh, presuppositions. Even nowadays, you have freedom, uh, quote-unquote freedom, uh, of movement or thought or religion or activity, etc., etc., whatever it may be, only until it becomes inconvenient in whatever way. All right, mm -hmm. and and as a result of this, of course, uh, this means usually inconvenient to the ruling class. A nuance to this, of course, is that this can either be taken in the incorrect, cringoid, rightist way, which is like, oh, I hate speech laws, that, that, that fucking screeching, mm -hmm. or in the base leftist way, uh, for example, calling for the abolition of private property uh, or further class analysis, like we mentioned before, with by, which, by the way, uh, both of which uh, carry prison sentences in various European countries. For example, the Czech Republic. Um, you can uh, be, you can serve, I think, a minimum of five years in prison for calling for, quote-unquote, class hatred. And what classifies wow. a, class, a class hatred is basically criticizing the... Uh, 
the rule of the bourgeoisie saying Jeez. like oh there's a capitalist class so that can get you a prison sentence so uh, and the Czech Republic is a liberal fucking you know like the, the typical run-of-the-mill uh, liberal philosoph- philosophically liberal uh, Republican type of uh, country yeah uh, it's strange steroids uh, specific- Czech Republic yeah, really exactly. extreme yeah. mass oh, lovely people mass cringe insane mm-hmm. almost the level of yeah. Poland yeah, and Poland exactly is right, right. Be- yeah. behind France, yeah. and UK is in its, <laughs> no, exactly. UK is in its own league. It's like a fucking. Sorry for interrupting. Yeah. Eventually, no, 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 eventually, shall we'll sink into the sea? That's what we're all we're <laughs> all for. But <laughs> the, the the strength of liberalism itself is the socioeconomic base, which has developed and continues to develop and inform it. Okay, how quote unquote liberal liberalism is? It relies on the relative security of capital. We've discussed this several times before. It quickly gives way to its cancerous twin brother fascism whenever convenient when it's and of course when it's uh, required ideology always betrays material conditions specifically the material conditions behind uh, what gave rise to that ideology and in this case political social most importantly economic supremacy of the capitalist class that's the most fundamental part of liberalism uh, and uh, the defense of this uh, idea, basically, this economic supremacy of this particular class must be defended through any means necessary, either be it liberal, fascist, or whatever else. This is the general thesis that we're here to deliver. Today's episode was a general, like, uh, cursory introduction uh, to the central tenets of liberalism, some history, some context, etc. The subsequent episodes that we're going to develop, I don't know if they're going to be the, the next one, the one after. We might sprinkle them throughout, I think, just to keep it interesting, because this has been kind of theory-heavy, I would say. Uh, but uh, today's episode was these foundations of liberalism. The next one, uh, inshallah, will be the liberal state. So specifically, critiquing separation of powers and other uh, and liberalism as a hegemon in society, capitalism, private property relations, etc. The third one will be more about historical liberalism and hypocrisy. So we're gonna have a lot of fun, basically making fun of all the liberals of old. Um, so it's a lot of fun dunking. Maybe we'll also include a modern day New York Times article or two. We'll see. And of <laughs> fuck course, yes, the, yes, the yes, yes. My dick is hard already. <laughs> Like uh, the great that's what, fucking. That's what I always want. Yeah. That's yes, my relationship that, that's to the I'm... New York Times. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. I assume that's Lenin's relationship to the Economist, honestly. <laughs> and then number four, the final is liberalism and revolution, in which we're going to go over our baby boy Lenin. That's uh, that's yeah. about it for this this episode. And with all this said, I hope you had fun. I hope this wasn't too boring. Please let me know if you enjoy these type of episodes, because if you do, then we're going to do a lot more of this type of, you know, exposition of particular ideologies and historical tendencies, etc., etc. Um, we couldn't do any of this, of course, without the lovely support of our patrons. So we love you all. Please go check out the Patreon and, uh, you know, support us in any which way you can. And uh, yeah, this has been the D Program. I'm Hakim. I'm JT. And I'm Yugopnik, and I'm going to go suck both of these nuts. <laughs> 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 <laughs>